welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, Awaken. Lovely to see you all this morning. My name is Micah, if we haven't met. Welcome to our gathering. Uh, welcome to the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, we're going to begin this morning with a reading from Scripture. And I was thinking about Lent and kind of the... Uh, we hold in tension uh, the things that are good and that are filled with joy and hopeful. And this season of uh, intentionality, maybe a somber, reflective journey of Lent. And I want to begin with a passage from Lamentations, this book that is all about lament. But like right in the middle of it is this little nugget of hope. Uh, so I invite you to stand and hear these words from the writer of Lamentations. They say this. I well remember, and my soul is downcast within me, yet... This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together. This first one's a real, uh, a real ripper, so let's sing together. All right, friends, <clears throat> sorry to cut a good thing short, but welcome, welcome, welcome to you. A um, couple things as we get going this morning. The first, is, first of which is, if you're new to Awaken, um, welcome. We're really glad that you're here. It's a big deal to come to a church for the first time, so we want hope that you feel welcomed in all the right ways. Um, if you'd like to connect with us, we'd love to know you are here. So in the seat pockets in front of you or the, the pews there, if you go on our, on our website, awakenwest7th.com, there's a card you can fill out and that'll come to us. We'll invite you to a beverage of your choice. If you call Awaken home, you've probably heard that message, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, 100, 200, 400 times. And maybe you stop hearing it and I would just want to pause and say, don't stop hearing it. One of our values is hospitality, and that means we, together, we only value hospitality insofar as we live it out together. Amen? So, um, the, we, we do care that people feel welcomed, um, and I would invite you into that if you call Awaken Home. A um, couple things happening we want to let you know about, the first of which is, oh, if you have those cards and you fill them out, or if you have tithes or offerings, lots of ways that you can give at Awaken, but they can go in the black boxes at each of the exits if you brought them today. Uh, number one, second half of life uh, folks are gathering on Tuesday this, this coming week at Wildflyer, just down the street on West 7th, from 10 to 11.30, or 10 to 11.30. That's just conversation and coffee, so if you're interested in that and you find yourself in that stage of life, you're welcome to join for that. Um, um, in the spirit of um, maybe affinity groups, the 20s and 30s of Awaken want to gather. They don't want to be left out. So they're gathering on uh, February 26th from 7 to 8.30 here at Awaken. So if you're interested in that, um, you can email youngadults at Awaken West 7th. Also, all these in information and invitations, registrations are in the Awaken Weekly, which goes out by email every week. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's your son. Is 40 the second half of life? Yes, it is, Trevor. <laughs> Proudly. I just turned 47 last week, so uh, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> I'm 
just getting started, baby. This thing's just revving up, so you better hang on. Um, so now that I've been so rudely interrupted, <clears throat> um, many of you were here last week. Jim Bear Jacobs was with us. I'm so grateful for his voice. He's coming back to Awaken March 3rd and 10th. We'll be doing two different learning labs. They are kind of two two-hour seminars that, that he's done and offers. Um, and that'll be 6 to 8 on Sunday nights, March 3rd and 10th. So please register for that, depending on how many will be either up here or downstairs. Uh, Easter is coming at the end of Lent, if you didn't know, uh, a couple of five weeks or so. And we want to let you know 9, 10.30, and 12 o'clock are the gatherings at Awaken. If you could uh, register for the gathering you're going to be at and the number of people you plan to bring, that's going to help us kind of get a sense for who's coming where. We won't be taking tickets at the door. We are giving away a car, though, so invite all your friends who don't know Jesus and make sure you get them to the church so that I can close the deal, okay? I'm joking. I'm joking, everybody. We're not going to do that. Uh, but we, it, it would be helpful if you registered. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, and then last but not least, prom. Prom's happening on March the 1st. Friends, that is a good old-fashioned dance party. So if you like to have fun, um, if, you, if you don't like to dance or you like to dance, you can, you can join. If you're partnered or you're single, you can join. What you cannot do is come and be sour. Those, you will be asked to leave immediately. So it is only if you're having a good day and you want to have some fun, come to prom, join us for that. Um, today is the first Sunday in Lent, if you were not aware. Lent is the 40 days before Easter. It begins on Ash Wednesday. Typically, traditionally, the six Sundays in Lent are taken out uh, because when the church gathers, we don't want to be somber. We don't, you know, we, heaven forbid, we would think about lament or being sad when we get together. Um, but traditionally, those were feast days, and so if someone was abstaining from something during Lent, you were given a pass on feast day. Um, Lent traditionally is marked by a couple of spiritual practices, uh, prayer being one of them, considered sometimes justice towards God, uh, fasting, considered justice towards self, almsgiving, uh, or, or uh, generosity towards the poor, justice towards our neighbor. So in the, in the tradition of the church, there's a lot around Lent and this season, um, I'm going to just offer a working definition for our series. Um, I would say it this way. Lent, if you want to throw that slide up for me. Lent, Lent, Lent is an intentional, key, intentional journey of stripping away, abstention from, or, and focus for the purpose of seeing, hearing, and waking up to the work of God's Spirit. It is often... A surrendering of what needs to die or what's being invited to, to, to maybe end so that something else might be born. Resurrected is another way of saying that. Um, and this series that we're, that we're beginning today is a series where we're focusing specifically on this idea of listening. In the fall this last year, we did a series called Formational Targets. So if you think about spiritual well-being, we would offer these six areas of life to, that you might do well to pay attention to. Liturgy, listening, learning, community, impact, pilgrimage. Listening being one of these formational targets. So we're going to spend some time in Lent in this formational target, kind of tuning our hearts, leaning into being more intentional, trying to be more intentional about hearing and listening. More on that in a minute. Um, it feels appropriate as a church to enter this season uh, or, or to have this focus of discernment and listening. If you were here last week, uh, you heard I announced about our lease. Um, it was at the end, so maybe you had to leave a little early or the 
uh, live stream didn't catch that part, but we were notified by our landlord uh, that they are not intending to uh, renew our lease in this building, which means March the 1st, uh, at the very latest, we will be out of this space. Um, that didn't really come as a surprise to awaken to us as leaders. Uh, we've been thinking about this space and uh, our uh, compatibility in it. Our kids, like there's no more kids space downstairs. We're like pretty much maxed both hours every Sunday. And, you know, it's pretty full in here second hour most weeks. And there's some accessibility issues. We'd like some folks to have access to the space that don't. So we were thinking, you know, like our, our, the sun might be setting on our time in this building. We just didn't know it would be that fast. So in some ways, somebody said, oh, that's kind of a gift. Now you know, and you don't have to make the decision. So that's true. Moving right along, March 1st, we have to be gone. So I want to invite you as a community to enter into this season with us of discernment. Next year. Next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was sensing like some serious energy in the room and I'm like trying to be pastoral and Jenna's like, next year. <laughs> yeah, very key, very key. You guys are like, man, Mike is really relaxed. He must, must be meditating more. Maybe he's smoking something before service. I don't know. Next year, next year, March 1st of next year. So I want to invite you into a season of discernment, which will be about a year. Um, and, and actually, uh, I, I would also invite you, um, so lots of people give up something from Lent. I, I'm giving up alcohol again this year for Lent, a seasonal practice that I do. Some staff and, and folks are joining me in that. Um, but I'm also intending to fast from food. Uh, Friday night, we'll eat dinner, and then Saturday, we'll spend that time fasting and break the fast on Saturday night. I tell you this not to draw attention to myself or create some sort of distance between me and you, but rather, I don't want this to be an individual experience, and so I want to invite you into that. If you would feel so comfortable or you feel the invitation or welcome to do that, um, to join me. Fast from something. Fasting is simply abstaining from one thing you're free to do in order to be aware of something else. So in our, in our hunger, it, it, it reminds us, right, to turn towards God and to listen. So if you want to, um, fast from soda or candy or alcohol or food or something, if you'd like to join me in that, as we kind of intend to, to, to really lean in and listen in this season. Um, we have a couple social media places. There's a, there's a fireside page on Facebook that a lot of people share things on. I'd encourage you to share your experiences. Um, in the back as you leave, I'll talk more about this later, but there's a place during Lent where you can write your experiences. So um, invite you to that if you want to join me. This morning, we are going to begin this series in listening in the book of Jonah, which is really about maybe more about not listening than it is listening. But um, typically, we'll read a scripture passage, and, uh, and then we'll kind of unpack that and see what is there. This morning is a little different. Um, I'm going to invite you to stay seated, and my friend Jeremiah has written a little piece from the perspective of, Jer of Jonah, um, and so um, the book of Jonah, as told by Jeremiah. You know what I hate? I hate injustice. You know what else I hate? I hate it when folks don't listen. But you know what I hate most of all? Those people. <sighs> yeah, I know that's not politically correct to say, but I do. I hate them. 
And you know who I'm talking about. Those people, the Ninevites, they're the worst. So the other day, the Lord says to me, because I'm a prophet, the Lord says things to me, and I say those things to other people on his behalf, generally bad news, but good news specifically for those specific people, so that they'll change, which they almost never do. So the Lord says to me, he says, Jonah, that's me, go to the great city of Nineveh. Okay, it's big, but it's not great. And preach against the Ninevites, for I, the Lord, have seen their wickedness. Yeah, you have. You and everybody else are the worst. So I says to the Lord, no. No way. Uh-uh. Anything would be better than having to go to those people. So I go to get me a boat. I go to the port city of Joppa and say, get me one ticket to the farthest place from here. The absolute farthest. I don't care how much it costs. It costs a lot, by the way. So I paid a lot to basically rent this entire boat and this whole crew to sail to the end of the known world, which incidentally has a name, Tarshish. So there I was on this boat bound for Tarshish trying to run away from God. I know, you can't really run away from God. But here's what I also know. He's got options. He can find some other chump to go to Nineveh. It don't got to involve me. Well, it turns out God did very much want to involve me, very specifically. And he was making it abundantly clear. I was on the boat, and this huge storm rolls in, like unnaturally large. I was like, okay, God, I get it. And the crew is freaking out. I was like, fellas, this is on me. It's all my fault. Just throw me overboard. You'll be fine. Well, they did not hesitate. One, two, three, heave ho. And sploosh, when I hit the water, whew, the storm stopped just like that. And then, because God has a flair for the dramatic, which you might have noticed, I was swallowed by a big... I don't know, I didn't get a good look at the outside. <laughs> and when I was in there, I had plenty of time to think and to reflect and to pray. So I prayed, Lord, you got me into this, get me out. I mean, I'm grateful and all that I'm still alive, that you rescued me in this very unconventional fashion. You know, some people got a problem with you. Some people turn away from you. Well, I'm going to turn toward you. And I will do what you asked me to do in the first place. I'll go to Nineveh and proclaim your truth. Amen. And then, voila, I was regurgitated. You think it feels bad to throw up? Try being thrown up, yeesh. So there I was, right back at Joppa, right back where I started, except this time smelling a heck of a lot worse. And God says to me, again, go to Nineveh. And I was like, yep, got it. So I started on my ways, because it's always 550 miles away. So I had 25 days to change my mind and turn right around, which I didn't, thank you very much. 
And then I arrived at the not-so-great city of Nineveh, and I got right to work proclaiming the bad news. Hey, you losers! God's given you 40 days to change your ways or else. Or else. I know. But then I say to God, 40 days? What happened to three strikes, you're out? 37 chances? 40, 40 chances? It's like 37, too many. It's not fair. But I told him anyways. I said, you have 40 days to change your ways. And you know what they did? Those people? The nerve. They listened. Like right off the bat. Even their selfish, stuck-up king. I was floored. And I was mad. Oh, was I mad. Because you want to know the real reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place? Because I know that God is merciful and gracious and compassionate. And I'm fine with God showing mercy, but not to them. That's injustice. And I hate injustice. So that's where, that's why I'm standing right here. I got a great view of the whole rotten city. And sure, the Ninevites say they're sorry and that they've changed. Well, today we're going to find out. It's Judgment Day, people! Day 40! And we're going to see what God's going to do! So far, it's like ridiculously nice out. Super sunny. And half the day is gone, so I don't know what you're waiting for. But we're going to see how this plays out. I got a, I got a sinking feeling. Because I know that I know that I know that God is merciful. Whew. He's so stinking merciful, it just ain't fair. I get like Bernie Sanders meets Donald Trump. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, that's way more interesting than just reading the Bible. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, pray with me if you would. God, as we turn our attention to this story for a bit, I ask that your spirit would lead us and guide us, that you might have a word for us, um, and that we might not only hear but listen. I pray in the strong name of Christ and all God's people said, amen. Um, as we begin this morning, I want to start by notifying you, if you're new to Awaken, um, we take the Bible very seriously at Awaken, which means that when we open it, we want to be theologically sound, robust, like uh, all in. We also want to take science very seriously and literature very seriously. We want to take all these things and weigh them and try to understand, interpret what's actually been said. So there are a lot of people, in the, well, maybe you come here this morning and you're like, Jonah, big fish, swallowed, vomited, like really, seriously, come on. 
Um, and maybe you're like, it's in the Bible. We got to believe it. I don't know what else to tell you. I'll just like, we'll start here and I'll rest. Hopefully you'll be at ease when I say that there are a lot of faithful, Jesus-loving, Bible-committed people who would say that Jonah doesn't have to be historic in order for it to be true. It doesn't have to be historic as in fact that happened for it to be true of value, transformative, have weight. Uh, and there are others who are like, it, it happened, it's in the Bible, it's historic. And all are welcome at Awaken. Like, you don't have to have that figured out. I'm not trying to convince you one way or the other. But I think when we come to a passage like that or a book like Jonah, it's, it's helpful to just start there because maybe you're, you're, you begin with uh, quite a few questions and, and if that doesn't get addressed, you, they remain. So I'll just start there. Uh, we want to take this seriously and ask, like, what is true? What is, what, what is a value in this story? Um, Jeremiah Jonah did a pretty decent job of giving you the kind of landscape of the book, so you get that. Uh, today, I want to begin with making a few observations that I think we can make from the story of Jonah, and then move into this, uh, this conversation and question about listening and hearing. So a couple of observations as we begin. Number one, I think you could say that Jonah does not want God to be that good. Uh, in Jonah, or in chapter 1, we hear the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. And Jonah hears God's word, but arguably doesn't listen. More on that in a little bit. Jonah 1, 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Preach against it, because its wickedness has come to me. But before, or Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Um, I would argue that the Bible is actually great literature in a lot of ways. Uh, you, you, you get this, you hear the command of God and Jonah hears it, but Jonah has some serious reservations and objections to it, but you don't really know why until the very end of the story. We don't get that until chapter four. When Jonah says, I knew that you, God, are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So Jonah knows that God would be good to them and so he runs. He, he, he doesn't want God to be that good to those people. Not only that, I think you can observe that Jonah doesn't have any interest in this group of people changing in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we, we might call that repentance in Scripture. In chapter 3, we find uh, Jonah, when he does show up to Nineveh, he offers a very weird and bizarrely short sermon which is 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I would argue a terrible sermon. And yet he has tremendous impact. The entire city changes. Like I have worked really hard on sermons, given them, and then nobody changes. Nothing happens. But this guy, he gives a really bad, like he lays an egg from like pastor's perspective and everybody listens. It's quite amazing. You got like we should be teaching Jonah for preaching classes. Um, he gives a very short sermon, and the entire city, the king, and even the animals get in on the act to the Ninevites. They, or the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. It's like Lent in Nineveh. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jonah's angry response in chapter 4, his, his bitterness towards the Ninevites, because he doesn't want God to be that good to those people, and he doesn't really have any interest in those people changing. 
he seems to be dead set on those people not changing. And I want to I want to pause here and say that the Bible is at once telling a story in about an ancient world, right? It's two thousand years old, and it's reflecting back on history and or uh, wisdom literature. Jonah, by the way, is classic Jewish wisdom literature, of which there is a category and rules to interpret it by. Either way, the Bible is telling this story about this. And at the same time, weirdly and bizarrely, it is inviting the reader to find themselves in the story. So it's about that, but it's about this. It's about you and me. The invitation for us as the reader now is to find ourselves in the midst of it. So if you would, just for a moment, close your eyes and imagine, try to picture in your mind's eye your arch nemesis, your enemy. Like, the person or the people that disgust you, that you think are the absolute bottom of the barrel, uh, the, the person or the group of people who make you angry that you find reprehensible in their action or character. Like imagine them or that person, if it's a person, picture them in your mind, if you would, for just a moment, and just hold their gaze. Now, in your mind's eye, what would it look like for you to genuinely wish, desire their transformation? That they might change. And maybe that's easy because they're impacting your life, they're hurting people you love, or maybe they're not impacting your life, they're just so far away from you that... But what would it look like for you to genuinely desire their transformation? Or what would it look like for you to imagine or what happens in you when you imagine you see them receiving God's compassion, God's love? Jonah's not just a story about the past. It's a story about you and me right here today. There's this old book that's in my library up there. Uh, which I've not read all of. I've read parts of. By the way, that's all pastor's libraries. <laughs> Just lots of books. And you're like, wow, you have a lot of books. You've, most people, most pastors have read portions of them and not a lot of all of them, right? So I have this book up in my library, and it's, the, the title of it um, struck me the first time I saw it. And it has always captured me, like kind of arrested me. And the title is, Dare We Hope That All Might Be Saved. If you grew up in the evangelical church, all the hairs on the back of your neck are now standing up because that is a universalist and we've got to get rid of them, right? A heretic. But just pause for a moment. Dare we hope? Might we have the courage to hope? Might we dare to believe, desire, long for that all might be saved, that no one, no thing is outside of God's love and redemption. And maybe your objection to that, or maybe your critique of that is, well, the Bible seems to like, not really be congruent with that idea. Just put this down here for a moment. Set it aside. Dare we hope that all might be saved? Can you do that for your enemy, for that person, those people who are outside of, in your mind's eye? Dare we hope that even they might not be too far 
might be, that God's love might be big enough, long enough, deep enough to gather even them. And if you have a hard time hoping for that, it would be a great point to stop and ask why. Because I think that question invites an, a very introspective moment on why can't this little heart get behind that idea? Dare we hope? Do I genuinely hope and, 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 and long for God's ability to redeem and restore all things, all people, everything that God made and called good? Somehow God gets it back. And if I can't, if I don't, why? Last observation I think we can make from Jonah is Jonah's sense of fairness is not compatible with God's mercy, right? I don't know if you had this kid growing up, if you raised children, or you were this kid growing up when you were a child. I grew up with four brothers, and when you know, we were divvying up the Lucky Charms, it had to be like dead level or somebody was going to lose their, their, their mind. You know what I mean? That's not fair! He got more than I got! And it was just a, you know, chaos. I remember my mom at one point saying to me, I'm lobbying, that's not fair! You know, so-and-so got more than I did, or he got this and I didn't. And my mom looked at me and said, oh, Micah, who told you that life was fair? <laughs> Wisdom bomb from mom. Because it's not fair, is it? Sometimes it would appear that the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. Right? The psalmist writes this. The Proverbs say this. Sometimes it looks as though those of us who are faithful and steadfast are getting the short end of the stick, and those who are cutting all the corners seem to be moving up and to the right. In my 47 years of life, I would go as far as to say it seems generally true that you reap what you sow. And then there are those moments when you're like, it would appear that that's a curve crasher. That guy, that gal, they seem to be skirting the general wisdom of the world. And I don't quite understand that. And Jonah, that bothers Jonah, right? That God's, that, that, that's not fair. And I would go as far as to say that God's not fair. And that bothers us, doesn't it? Like, we, quite frankly, we should all be pretty glad for that reality, that God's not fair. In, in the economy of God, like in, in the, if love was sort of tit for tat, this sort of system, like there would be a lot more withdrawals than investments in my case. I don't know about you, but I'm guessing that's probably consistent across the board. And we should maybe be glad that God's not fair. And I realize like I'm walking a very fine line right here because some of us grew up in churches where you've heard this sermon before, right? If I got what I deserved, I'd be going straight to hell. And thanks be to God, God's not fair, and I don't get what I deserve because of Jesus. In fact, Jesus gets what I deserve because of God's holiness and justice. And somebody has to pay, and Jesus pays my debt for me. You've heard that one before? That's actually in the Bible. And while there are some problems with some of the, like, you know, logically, what does that make God out to be? And is God just some like angry person up in the sky who punishes his own child? I get all the questions and it's in there and it's a metaphor to try to understand what is happening here. But I want to pause and just say like, God isn't fair. I don't get what I deserve. I keep, keep messing up. I keep like falling. I keep stumbling. I keep breaking it. And God continually offers me grace. That's not fair. That's the whole point of grace. And I think it's important for us to sit with that, to, to wrestle with that, 
to wonder about that. What does it mean to receive that, to live in the midst of that? So Jonah doesn't want God to be that good to those people, doesn't have any interest in the Ninevites changing, because his sense of fairness isn't compatible with who God is. Jonah in a nutshell. What about listening? As we transition to this, this idea of listening, what can we say about listening and hearing? In scripture, in Hebrew especially, uh, you maybe have heard me say this before, but words are often bigger. They, they carry a lot of meaning. And so the word listen in Hebrew is the word shema. It also means to obey. It also means to hear. Uh, it's big and broad. The, the Jewish people still pray a prayer today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Shema Israel is how it begins. So in Hebrew, to, to listen is to hear and also to consider and then to respond in kind with what you know of the, the communicator, right, the sender. Even in English, there's a difference between hearing and listening, isn't there? Like to hear something, you had no choice in that matter. Sound waves went out, your ears caught it, your brain interpreted it, you heard the sound of that noise. But to listen takes intentionality. You gotta be like focused, you have to have um, desire or a plan or intention to listen, which is why Shema, O Israel, is so big and broad. So as we think about Jonah and his relationship to listening, I think it brings a question of why don't we listen sometimes? And I'll end here. Why don't we listen sometimes? I'm going to assume we've all been here at some point in our life. Why don't we listen? I think sometimes someone or something is distracting us. Uh, and I want to be really careful on this one. My, my old friend Jerry Pipes, an elder in the church I grew up in, said, if you go looking for the devil under every rock, that's likely what you're going to find. Right? And I do believe that there is a force, forces in the world that oppose light and love and goodness. It seems that scripture bears witness to that reality, and humans generally who've lived on planet Earth would attest to that being true. And I think we're naive or foolish to not pay attention to that reality. And I'm not going to say anything more precise about that. <laughs> because sometimes there are people and things and forces that don't want us to hear or listen to God's voice. And we should pay attention to that. We should pray against that. In the story of Jonah, was there an evil spirit that didn't want Jonah to hear God's voice? I don't know, but I wouldn't rule it out. Sometimes we don't listen because we're distracted by our own making or something someone else is making. So we should pay attention to that if we're intending to listen. I think sometimes I don't want to listen, right? I don't know if you've had a relationship or you've had a moment with somebody when you actually don't want to hear the sound of their voice. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like your partner, potentially. It's like, that's what it sounds like when they speak. Like, I don't want to listen to you, but I actually don't want to hear you right now. You know what I mean? Sometimes I don't want to hear you, listen to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're saying something that's hard to hear. Maybe they're saying something that you don't want to be true. Maybe they're saying something that's hurtful or that you disagree with. Or they're, you know they're right and you're wrong and you really don't want to admit that you're wrong. And some people don't want to admit that they're wrong more than others. 
I think there are times in our life when we don't want to hear God's voice for any number of reasons. And we certainly don't want to listen because that would require us to consider what's being said and to respond in kind to the person that we know God to be. We've all been here before, and the first question God asks in Scripture is, where are you? Did you know that? Genesis chapter 3. The first question in the Bible is, did God really say? But God's first question is, where are you? Which I think is a fantastic question for the spiritual life. It's hard to move from somewhere you don't know. If you don't know where you are, it's very difficult to move somewhere else. So to be able to identify where I am is a very important part of the spiritual journey. It doesn't come as naturally as one might think. It takes work. And I've been here where I really don't care to hear God's voice. I don't want to listen to God's voice. Sometimes I'm distracted. Sometimes I don't actually want to hear. Sometimes I don't believe or like or desire what I'm hearing. For those of you that have had teenagers, you know this, you know how this goes, right? Hey, Dad, I'd like to go to this party on Friday night. Any chance you'd give me a pass on that one? No, I'm not sure that's a good idea based on the last time you went to a party on Friday night. I've heard what you've said, I've listened to you, and I've responded to you. That's called listening. And what does child do? They go find your partner and keep looking for the answer that they want, right? Sometimes we don't like, believe, or desire to hear what we're hearing. And I think this is true in our relationship with God. It certainly has been in mine, where I don't actually like hearing what I'm hearing. I don't even desire to hear what God desires for me. In the case of Jonah, I don't think Jonah believed or wanted to believe what he knew he would hear about God because he knew what God's character was like. As your pastor, I'm just going to invite you to pause in this moment. If you find yourself there, take your foot off the gas maybe for a moment and just ask some questions. some, some reflective questions about that. Why don't I want to listen? Why don't I believe what I'm hearing? Why don't I like what I'm hearing? Why don't I desire what I'm hearing? Let me close. As we begin this journey of Lent, in this intentional season of listening to God's voice, maybe a couple of questions to sit with. One, do I want to hear God's voice? I don't know where you are in your journey. And I know I have been in places where I don't. I'm pretty stubborn, quite frankly. And if you find yourself there where, actually, I don't want to hear God's voice. I don't want to listen, because if I listen, I have to consider and respond. If not, why? Like, what's that about? I have a sneaky suspicion that oftentimes that's connected to what we imagine God to be like. Like our picture of God what we believe God to be in character. But it would be wise to spend some time there. No judgment. Don't hear that. But why? What is it about? Why don't I want to hear what God has to say? And if you do, if you can answer with integrity, yeah, I I think I do. I want to lean into that. Then what are you hearing God say? As a community, what are we hearing God say? What are we hearing God inviting us to as a church? That is the invitation during this season. 
So as we close, um, normally I would invite you to communion during Lent. We are, and whether you like it or not, um, we're in, we will be fasting from Eucharist. We did this uh, last year, and it was very powerful. On Good Friday, we'll break that fast together, uh, Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples. So during Lent, we're going to not do this thing that we normally do. Pay attention to what that does in you, how that feels for you. Um, and in, 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 in its place, uh, there will be a song that's played every week. There are some lyrics in the back on cards that look like this. And I would invite you, if you'd like, to take that and put it somewhere that maybe you, you'll see it during the week. Um, it's a very short song, and our hope is that as you hear it weekly, that it begins to like do something in you. Maybe this week you hear it and something stands out, and next week something else, or the next week a piece of the music, or like pay attention to its journey in you. And the question at the end, I'm, or the statement at the end, I'm listening now. That's the desire, that's the hope, that we can get to that place. In the back, as you go and, and come and, and during Lent, on the left, uh, as you leave, there's a wall that has, what are you hearing? And we would invite you to write the things that you're hearing on the wall. So collectively, we'll just see what grows in our community over Lent as you all put it on the wall back there. So uh, uh, full stop, you have permission to write on the wall. I would, invite, I would, I would be, I'd be glad if you did. So let me offer a word of prayer. We'll make our way into this, uh, this song, and then we'll close uh, joining our voices together. So pray with me. God, for a moment, we just take some stillness and quiet to pause, to be reminded of who you are, and to maybe spend some time with this question, do I want to hear your voice? So Holy Spirit, do that work in us today and in this season, I pray. To the church gathered this morning, the invitation of Lent is for us as a community to listen, to lean in, to be intentional. And as we do, report back. What are you hearing? Um, let's share that with one another. Post it on the, the wall in the back, and we'll just listen and hear, lean into what we sense God saying in our community. Um, so receive this blessing as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church gathered together said, amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. You can find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter. Play with the community. See you next time.